We start this new series today called What Matters. And uh, when, when the teaching team got together and we talked about this title, What Matters, it, it was kind of like, well, is it what matters with a question mark or is it what matters? This is what matters with like an exclamation. And the answer to that is yes, it's kind of both. We're talking uh, in this series for the next eight weeks or so about um, things that matter at North Point, things that, that are critical for us, that uh, it's important that you know that we all agree on, um, some doctrinal stuff, that kind of thing. Um, the, most of you have, have heard about the professor that says to a student, I've got these things that need to go into this container, I need your help. Um, I've, I've got some rocks, I've got some stones, I've got some gravel, I've got some sand, I've got some water. I need it. it all needs to fit in this container. The student says, there's no way that it'll ever fit in that container. There's too much stuff. And the professor says, okay, do this. Take the big rocks first and put the big rocks in the container. So he takes those big rocks, places them in there, settles them down, and, uh, and he says to this, the professor says to the student, is, is the bucket full? Will anything else fit? And he said, well, it's, yeah, it's full, but maybe a little bit more will fit. And so he gives him the stones, and he pours the stones into that bucket, shakes that bucket up, and it all kind of levels off, and everything fits there. He says to the student, is it full? And the student says, well, yeah, it's full. And he said, well, anything else fit? I don't, I don't think so. He gives him the gravel. Begins to pour the gravel in, shakes the bucket around, makes it uh, all move around until, until all the gravel fits too. And the professor says to the student, is the bucket full? And the, the student says, probably not, um, even though he's got all that stuff in there. And he gives him sand and he pours sand into the bucket. And it fills up all those nooks and crannies. And he says to the student, is it full? And the student says, I don't know. And he gives him water, and he pours water in to fill up every ounce of space. All of that stuff wouldn't fit in the bucket, the student realized, unless he started with the big rocks first, the things that are the most important thing. And, and those big rocks are what this, next, uh, what this series that we're a part of right now is, what matters. What are the things that are the big rocks, the things that matter to us, the things that are critical for, for what makes North Point, North Point. Next eight weeks, we're going to talk about a number of different topics. Um, and, and let me just kind of give you this caveat as we get started. It may be that sometime in the next eight weeks that, uh, that you say, you know what, I don't buy that. You may say that today. I, I don't buy the premise that you're given in this particular week's message. The, the question that's there is, do I need to go someplace else to church? No, because North Point is a safe place to ask questions. If you disagree with what's being taught, um, that's because you know what you believe, right? You know where you are. It's important to know who we are as well, what we value, what matters to us. Um, because our hope is that in these next eight weeks, that as we tackle these eight different topics, that it will drive you to ask questions and help clarify what you think even in a, in a greater way. Uh, so, so know that uh, for you and for, um, for any of your friends, for people who come for the first time, North Point's a safe place to ask questions. You don't have to have it all figured out when, when you come to church here. It's a good thing to seek truth. Um, Today's message lays a critical foundation for this series about what matters, and it's uh, because of this. The Bible matters at North Point. What matters? The Bible matters. The Bible matters. Um, North Point, in its 178 years history, 
has had this value throughout all that time that the Bible matters, that the Bible is the word of God and that the Bible is the place that we go to discover how to have a relationship with God, that the Bible is the place that teaches us how to live and walk as followers of Jesus. The Bible matters because it's God's revelation of himself to us. Uh, in in uh, 2 Timothy, one of the books of the Bible in the, in the New Testament, Paul is, a, is one of the guys who wrote a number of the letters that are in the New Testament. And he wrote to a guy that he mentored, a guy named Timothy. He, uh, if you've got your Bibles and you want to turn there, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is where I'm going to land because it, it describes what the Bible um, says about itself. Paul writes to Timothy and he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, starting in verse 14. As for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you've learned it. Paul says to Timothy, you know your mom, you know your grandma, you know me, you know who you've learned it from, how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now this is the verse that matters. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you understand the implications of that scripture? Paul says to Timothy, all of scripture is inspired by God. It comes directly from God, and it's useful for correction, for rebuking, for, for putting us on the right path, for training us in righteousness so that we can be fully equipped for every good work that God has for us. Uh, does, does how you view Scripture matter? You know, does it matter whether we say that the Bible is authoritative or not? It, it absolutely does. Because if you view the Bible as just a good book, you know, it's a, it's a good book. It's a good book of moral teachings, it's a collection of religious instruction. If you view the Bible that way, then it's very easy for you to determine what you, what you use and agree with, what you apply, and what you don't. It's very easy, if it's just a good book, to say, oh, I like that, and I'll apply that in my life. I don't, like that. I, don't think that that, I don't think that that's real. I don't think that that's true. On the other hand, if the Bible is the word of God, if the Bible is God revealing himself to us, even the parts that we don't like are really, really important, maybe even more important than the parts that we do like, right? Because God is giving us instruction for how to live. The Bible is authoritative. What it says matters. It's more important than what philosophers say or psychologists or historians or politicians. The Bible is the standard for how we live and how we relate to God. At North Point, the Bible is authoritative. Uh, I love talking to people about North Point. And people say, you know, kind of what's the church like? Or, or, you know, what happens when people disagree with stuff that you preach? Um, and, and I say, you know what? I actually don't have any trouble at all with that because what I say doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. What Chris says doesn't matter. What Jake says doesn't matter. What Billy Graham says doesn't matter. What Chuck Smith or John Piper or Charles Stanley says 
doesn't matter. What Andy Stanley says, or Francis Chan, or Craig Rochelle, none of it matters. What the Pope says doesn't matter. What matters is what Scripture says. Because we're all people trying to make sense of that, but God's Word is the source for us. God's Word is where we find that authority. And if that's true, that, that puts a mandate on each of us to study God's Word. It's not just a matter of the church leaders. It's not just a matter of the teaching team studying God's Word and then communicating truth. It's not just a matter of life group leaders studying God's Word or children's ministry workers studying God's Word or parents or adults studying God's Word. If God's Word is authoritative, it it puts a, a mandate on us if we're serious about having a relationship with God, to study it, to read it, to memorize it, to apply it. One of my favorite scriptures is uh, one of the Psalms of David. It's Psalm 19. When I was a teenager, I remember singing a song with these words in it, and, and um, it has stuck with me, but it, it's, it's David's picture of the importance of the word of God. Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7, says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. David's love for God's word was incredible. So much so that um, uh, uh, um, he talked about that over and over again. Do, do you know what the longest chapter in the Bible is? The longest passage of scripture, the longest chapter. It's Psalm 119. All right, here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to take out, if you have a Bible with you, do that. You're not allowed to use your app, uh, your phone on this, okay? So take a Bible out of the, out of the pew in front of you. And um, if you're, if you're, if, uh, you're kind of new to Scripture and you're not sure where to look, grab that Bible anyway and just open it up in the middle. If you hit the middle, you're probably going to hit Psalms, okay? That's kind of right in the center. And uh, you find Psalm 119 because it's after Psalm 118 and it's before Psalm 120, okay? So there's 150 of them, so if you, if you open up and you get to Psalms, you can probably get to Psalm 119, Psalm 119 is an incredible piece of literature because it describes the psalmist, probably David's love for God's word. It's incredibly long, and it's, it's actually a poem, a Hebrew poem, where each stanza begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It starts with Aleph, and, um, and, and each, in the Hebrew language, each section began with a new letter. When I was in high school, I sang in a show choir, and one of the songs we sang was called the Alphabet Song. Uh, here are the lyrics. I'm not going to sing it for you. Um, a, you're adorable. B, you're so beautiful. C, you're a cutie full of charms. D, you're delightful. E, you're exciting. F, you're a feather in my arms. G, you look good to me. H, you're so heavenly. I, you're the one I idolize. J, we're like Jack and Jill. K, you're so kissable. L is the love light in your eyes. Um, the next phrase is great. M, N, O, P, I could go on all day. Uh, the, uh, Psalm 119 is just like, actually, uh, it, uh, 
The alphabet song is just like Psalm 119. Every section, as you look at that and look at those divisions, each one starts with a different Hebrew letter. And there's one theme to this enormously long psalm, this enormously long poem. That theme is the psalmist's love for God's word. Let me, let me just point out some of the verses that are there. Verse 2, blessed are those who keep God's statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. Verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 24, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. Verse 43, never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I will speak of your statutes before kings, and I will not be put to shame. For I delight in your commands because I love them. Verse 66, teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I trust your commands. Verse 71, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Verse 89, your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have preserved my life. 97, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me. They make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than my, all my teachers, for I meditate on your statues. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have, keep my, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. Verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. Verse 165, great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. The psalmist's love for God's word is incredible. Do you sense that over and over again? May that be true of us. May that describe our hearts. You want your life to be transformed in 2018? Try and memorize one section of Psalm 119. Just one section. You know, four, five, six, eight, ten verses, whatever. That memorize that and see if that doesn't change the way that you look at the world. Once you get that one done, maybe try another one. Because I know as I studied through Psalm 119, it was like, oh man, God quickens something in your heart when you begin to talk about loving his law and, and being guided at every point by it. You know, there are a couple of things that are, that are important. God's word is authoritative. It's important to know that God's word is authoritative. That's a big rock for us. God's word is reliable. Let me, let me just say this uh, really quickly. Um, there's, a, there's a question that says, can we trust God's word? Can we trust that what we hold in our hands is what God originally communicated? The answer to that is yes. Um, if you've got questions about that, I would love to go into, into a, a very detailed explanation about it. But, but uh, suffice it to say that there's more evidence for the reliability of what we have in our hands being true to the original for the Bible than there is for anything that Plato wrote or Aristotle wrote, anything in the Iliad 
or the Odyssey, any of those ancient documents, what we hold in our hands is, um, has more veracity, more truthfulness, more uh, ability to have it be verified to what was originally written than any other piece of ancient literature. It's, it's, it really, really is incredible. Um, there are about uh, 6,900 languages in the world. Uh, about 2,900 of them have had some passages of Scripture uh, translated into their language. Um, about 1,300 have the New Testament translated into their language. If the Bible's authoritative, that, it's really, really important. What Tim and Courtney Chanter have done for the Yembe Yembe in bringing the Bible into their language is critical for them to know how to have a relationship with God. Otherwise, it's completely dependent upon Tim and Courtney for the other missionaries that are there. But when they can read the Bible for themselves, God can speak to them. Translation's a huge deal. A lot of people say, the Bible's been translated so many times, you know, uh, you may be saying, wait a second, what I was reading from the NIV is not what you were reading from the ESV in the Pew Bibles, right? The, the words weren't the same. What's that all about? It's about this. There have been tons and tons of translations from the original language. Bible was original, Old Testament written originally in Hebrew, New Testament written originally in Greek and Aramaic. It's been translated into English. The ESV that you just were looking at is one translation. The NIV that I was reading from is another translation. People say, with all those translations, that just makes it more confusing and, and cloudier. Not true at all. Because there have been so many translations, people have studied the meanings of the words in the original language, the nuances. And while it might be a little bit difficult to, to just look at the two together, to hear them together, to sort through the meaning, you can, as you begin to study, you can, you can um, sense exactly what God was wanting to communicate to us through those translations. Bible's absolutely uh, reliable. Um, Bible's authoritative, it's reliable, is it relevant for us? Lots of people say, you know what, the Bible's an old book. It was written hundreds, thousands of years ago. Is it really relevant to us today? Here's, here's what I can tell you. If you care about having a relationship with God, the Bible's relevant. If you care about being a good parent, if you care about loving your husband or your wife, if you care about getting along with other people, the Bible can teach you how to do that. If you care about how to manage your money, if you care about uh, um, how, to, how to work on a daily basis, the Bible can teach us how to do that. If you care about how God has interacted with mankind in history, the Bible can tell that story. God's word is relevant. It's important as you read God's word to, to understand um, there are 66 books in the Bible, but there's one theme. That theme is clear, that God loved us that he wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to love him as much as he loves us. And he made a way for that to be possible through sending Jesus to earth to die for our sins. That's the theme of the Bible. There are 66 books, and they all tell that story, about some part of that story in a, in a different way. But those 66 books are not all the same. Um, it's not a novel that you read from beginning to end uh, like you would uh, another novel. There are different kinds of literature. There are books of law in the Bible. There are books of history. There are books, there are biographies. There are books of instruction. There are books of poetry. We don't read all of those books the exact same way. Most people don't read the IRS tax code before they go to bed at night, right? But CPAs read the IRS tax code. 
to understand the law completely. Most people, when they're going to bed, they're reading a romance novel, right? Well, read Song of Solomon. Um, uh, uh, most people read, uh, his, a lot of people read history before they go to bed to understand the past and how it relates to lots of books of history uh, in the Bible that tell the story of God's interaction with, with man. We, didn't, we need to understand what we're reading, why it was written, who it was written to, and for what purpose. And that begins to, to make some sense. If you need some helps with that, don't hesitate to shoot me an email. And, I, and I'll, I'll be happy to give you direction. It doesn't matter if you know a lot, if you know a little, if you're looking for a lot of help, whatever, we can help do that. Some people say, do we believe? It's a big rock for us that we believe Scripture is authoritative. Do we believe that the Bible is literally true? And uh, most of the time when I get that question, I stop for a second and I say, yes and no. And, and people don't know what to do with that. I, we absolutely believe that the Bible is literally, literally true, the parts of the Bible that were written for literal interpretation. But the parts that were written poetically or in images, um, uh, prophecy, they weren't necessarily literally true. So, um, so when Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches, was Jesus literally saying, I am this green organism that has roots in the ground and you as my followers are all connected to me. No, that was imagery. So we don't believe that literally. We understand that language, that there was figurative language used there. But we absolutely believe that the instruction that God gives us in Scripture applies to us today, that that Scripture is our authority. Scripture is relevant. Um, It is... it's relevant to our lives. All we've we got to do is jump inside it and begin to read and see what God says to us. Um, d- uh, scripture's relevant. Did, did, did you know that, that, um, that the Bible talks about baseball? In Genesis, it says, it starts by saying, in the big inning, God created the heavens and earth. <laughs> do you know it talks about tennis? It says in Genesis that Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. You know, it talks about motorcycles. Joshua's triumph was heard throughout the land. I, I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, it talks about cars, right? Hondas. In Acts 2, it says the disciples were all gathered together in one accord. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, know, uh, uh, you know, the shortest, shortest man in the Bible? Nehemiah. Do you know the Bible, uh, I'm sorry, you're never supposed to laugh at your own jokes, are you? Um, Do you know the Bible talks about a great comedian? Samson with his last line brought the house down. Some of you are going, huh? I've never heard any of those stories. It's okay, start to read scripture and they'll make sense later. You can come back and then you can laugh at me, not laugh with me, all right? Um, Oh, goodness. Best babysitter in the Bible? David. He rocked Goliath to sleep. All right, here we go. One last truth that's really, really important. One last truth that's really important. When we agree that the Bible, that the authority of the Bible 
is a major for us. When we agree that that's true, that the Bible is authoritative for us, we have freedom to disagree on the minors. We don't have to, to uh, agree on all the smaller pieces of theology. We don't have to agree on predestination. We don't have to agree on, um, uh, on church polity. We don't have to agree on all kinds of stuff. We don't have eternal security. Lots of those things are not majors for us. Come the next seven weeks and you'll find out what those majors are, what those big rocks are. But it's critical that the authority of Scripture is one of those things because when that's true, that allows us to go back to Scripture, not to me, not to a denomination. It allows us to go back to Scripture directly to say, okay, what does Scripture say and how do we understand that? Why do you think that? Oh, I get that. For me personally, let me, let me just say this. Coming to North Point has been an incredible, uh, incredibly good experience. I came out of a, out of a background that wasn't a denomination, but it was a collection of churches that functioned like a denomination. Everybody pretty much thought the same, had kind of the same approach to Scripture. And I have had so much fun here having conversations with the staff, having conversations with the elders, having conversations with people to say, no, wait a second, why do you think that? And, and people who have studied Scripture and come to very different conclusions about, um, about sand and gravel kind of issues for me, not the big rocks, uh, it's like, oh, I get that. I've, I've never heard anybody come to that conclusion before. Here's what I've always thought, and the conversations have driven us back to Scripture, not to simply say, oh, everybody can, can um, think whatever they want, but to say, what does Scripture say, and what conclusions do you draw from Scripture? When we agree that the authority of the Bible is a major, we have freedom to disagree on minors. One just last quick story. Uh, the, the elders in December, we were talking about the Lord's Supper, and within the eldership, we were, we were saying, okay, um, with communion, uh, what's everybody's experience? Some people had, had grown up in, a, in an environment where communion was served once a year, that, that one time a year you had communion. Others, a couple of times a year, sometimes once a quarter, um, and uh, some once a month, some every week. Um, and, and so we were talking about how frequently should we have the Lord's Supper at North Point. And, um, and the end result of that was we went back to Scripture to say, okay, what does Scripture teach? Not what does Rick think. Not what does one of the other guys think. What does Scripture say about that? And as we studied the Scriptures, we came to the conclusion that the Scripture doesn't give a, 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 a specific pattern for how often you should take the Lord's Supper. When you really begin to look at it and, and uh, look in Acts especially, it may be that in the first century the Christians um, took the Lord's Supper every day as they gathered together. Um, the point of that story is to say, how do, you, how do you figure that out? You go back to Scripture and see what Scripture says because Scripture is authoritative. Um, when, we, when Scripture is our authority, it, it creates the ability for us to be unified on stuff that, that um, still is very important but that matters less than, than the big rocks, than the majors. Jesus prayed in, in John 17. He said this, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus said this, you know what? I want everybody who follows me to be together, not to be divided. 
It's really easy for us in the church to split and divide over stuff that doesn't matter, over the little rocks, the sand and the gravel kinds of issues. It's so easy for that to happen. When we agree that scripture is authoritative, all of a sudden we have the ability to deal with those issues and it's not a matter of who thinks what. It's a matter of what scripture says. And, and, um, and unity prevails. That's the story of North Point. Um, North Point was founded, it was started in 1840, seven years after the first white person came to this area, to the wilderness, uh, this center section of Michigan. Um, the first church was, the, the, uh, as a church, we were founded as First Baptist Church of DeWitt, which is, which is pretty incredible. Um, lots of stuff happened. Several times the church dissolved and started again instantly because uh, people were sorting through what is it that we value? Who are we as a church? In 1928, something interesting happened. Um, the, the church, in, uh, uh, North Point, at that point, First Baptist Church of DeWitt was on the northeast corner of uh, Bridge and Main Streets in DeWitt. It, it was there. Uh, some people that have been around forever may still remember it. Um, There, in 1928, the church across the street burnt to the ground. It was the Methodist church. And what the leaders of First Baptist Church of DeWitt said was, come worship with us. They could have said, hey, you know what? Come use our building. We'll have a service at nine. You have a service at 11. That'll be great. You guys can use it. You can keep your... They said, let's worship together. And that commitment to unity based on the authority of scripture was such that a year later in 1929, the church voted to get rid of the the name First Baptist Church and to become DeWitt Community Church. That was in 1929, okay? That's when there weren't community churches. There weren't Bible churches, non-denominational, it just didn't happen. It was an incredibly significant thing. In 1963, the church, um, through relationships with people, joined with the United Church of Christ to further God's kingdom. And, and, um, and they began to support United Church of Christ missionaries. In the 1970s, about 15 years later, they said, you know what? The United Church of Christ denomination does not value the authority of Scripture in the way that we do. And they stopped that, that partnership. They, they separated because the authority of Scripture is what matters. Our church, uh, in 2004, the name changed from DeWitt Community Church to, to North Point Community Church so that we could be a church that makes disciples with a, with a target that's on the north side of the capital region of Michigan, of, of mid-Michigan. Uh, we have an incredibly cool heritage and history as a church that says we believe in God's word is authoritative. And we want anyone who wants to come, to come. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if your background is Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopal, Catholic, no background at all, spiritual, it doesn't matter. We simply want to come together and let God's word determine how we have a relationship with him. Um, Acts 17, uh, Luke wrote, um, just a, just a very interesting scripture. He said, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. It is my prayer that that scripture applies to us at North Point, that we examine the scriptures every day to see if, with, see if what Rick Rubel says is true, to see if what Francis Chan says is true, to see if what, you know, fill in the blank that we're examining the scriptures 
so that we can be a people of the book. If you haven't got a copy of the Bible, uh, if you don't have a hard copy and you'd like one, I don't, I don't know that we have extra copies available today, but stop at the, at the welcome kiosk and just talk to them. And we're going to order a box and, and uh, we'll have those available to just give to you uh, next week. Stop by and, and pick that up. Um, the, the, uh, if, you, if, you, if the Bible, having the Bible is a new thing, um, get your phone open and, and try one of these two apps. These are the two apps I use all the time, Bible Gateway. Bible Gateway and YouVersion. Those two have the scripture in all kinds of versions. You can read uh, uh, the scripture in, um, in the message in a paraphrase that's very easy to understand. You can read in the Amplified Version, which is a literal translation of all of the meanings of the words that are there. Uh, incredibly great tool uh, that, that's there. Um, it's the beginning of 2018. It's not too late to start with a commitment to read through the Bible in 2018. I'd encourage you to do that, to read from beginning to end. There are some sections in the books of law and some of the history stuff that's a little dry, all right? Plow through that, but you, it's not, you can get a plan off Bible Gateway or off version. You can get it off the internet to read from beginning to end in the year. Um, I encourage you to do that. If if the whole Bible thing is new to you, let me just give you some quick suggestions. I'd start to just read the book of Mark. The book of Mark is an action-based biography of Jesus. Um, it goes event, event. It's, it's very easy to read. And I'll give you the story of Jesus in 16 chapters that uh, won't take you probably a couple of hours to, to read through. Um, once you read the book of Mark, go to uh, the book of James. The book of James describes um, how to live as a disciple of Jesus. Uh, suggestion after that is to go to the book of Acts and to read about the history of, of the followers of Jesus in the first century. After that, uh, another suggestion is the book of Romans. If your mind is a rational, logical mind, if, if you want to be a lawyer in another life, read the book of Romans. Because the first eight chapters of Romans, Paul builds a case that ends at the end of Romans 8 that says, who can separate us from the love of Christ? And the last eight chapters are, if that's true, and Paul has built this case to say, that's true. The last eight chapters, if that's true, what's that look like in our lives? Romans, great, great book to read. Uh, Maybe read the book of John, which which is a study of the life of Jesus about who he is, about his heart. Isaiah the prophet said, The grass withers, the flowers fall. The word of our God endures forever. May we here be a people of the book, committed to God's word. Let's pray. Lord, um, we try and do stuff on our own so much. We try and be our own authority, and um, we need you. Uh, God, help us. Help us be committed to you, committed to your word. Um, and, and God, we, we just ask that you'd speak to us, that you would transform us this year as we allow your word to pour into every aspect of our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.